Welcome to the Thrive Church Weekly Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this message today. Thanks for tuning in. So good. Welcome. Awesome to have you here at church with us this morning. And we just pray that you just feel the hug of God this morning. Hey, yeah, we had a blast at conference and um, it was super proud moments um, seeing a lot of Thrive people just chip in, even on hosting as well. One morning we did a whole lot of ushering and so thank you for all those who were a part of that hosting as well. It was amazing uh, hearing Larissa's word. She, she preached for seven minutes um, on main stage uh, and then also Liam uh, preached for I don't know how long on a plane on the way home. So, (laughs) he stood up and shared the gospel on a plane, so did an altar call and everything, so we got some pretty pumped young people here, and just, hey, if there are any first time uh, young people here, we just really want to welcome you, especially here today, it's so, so cool, and thanks to those who gave um, and sowed seeds, uh, for those, if you couldn't go, or didn't go yourself, but you gave towards others going, we just really appreciate that for those young ones that were able to do that, so there's something really exciting happening in our New Life movement. Uh, very, very vibrant, spirit-filled, um, truth-centered family. Man, there was such an incredible family um, sense at conference. So if you want to go to conference next year, just get strategic and start planning it now or sit in the front three rows of Thrive Church because everyone who went to conference were in those rows. So you might catch something. Just come up, come up, get a bit closer to the anointing. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm messing with you. I'm messing with you. Hey, um, we have our Big Give Missions offering next Sunday, which is so exciting as well. We've uh, we spoke about uh, local initiatives last week, and then um, I'm going to touch on to some international things today. And so I just want to encourage you, if you're considering um, you know, where, how you give, just make sure you just include the Holy Spirit. Don't just pop that, go, I, I don't have enough. Just partner with God, because God, you can never outgive Him. I mean, that's pretty, that's what the Bible says. You just can't outgive God. It's the law of sowing and reaping, and you may give financially, but you may get back in another way, but he is always, it's it's like sowing into good soil. So just over this week, over this service, just ask Holy Spirit how you can contribute to that amazing uh, offering. And man, lives are being changed locally and internationally because of what has been sown here at Thrive. So that's so good. Uh, Have we got any Subaru owners in the house? If you have a registration number, no. Oh, Harris's, yeah, these guys as well. No, your car is not parked badly this morning. It's all good. Just, oh, you can breathe. Uh, you can breathe. I was a Subaru uh, owner for 11 years. I had a Subaru Leone. It was uh, built in 1988, and I, it was a cool car. Oh, this is a, I had 11 years, a long time to own a car. I, I really liked that car, mainly because it had like this incredible feature of an electronic Speedo. And it was, like, it was really cool for youth ministry. Everyone wanted to go home in my car, so there could be like Knight Rider. And uh, if you're from the 80s, you'll know what that is with Kit. And so it was just fun watching the numbers go up, and it was just so different and dynamic. It was a super cool car. It had, uh, it had 
turbo. I don't think it quite had twin turbo. It started out as an uh, automatic. It broke down and it became a manual uh, along the way. It broke down a few times actually. Uh, and, and it was a great car. In fact, it was funny. They put a new clutch in. Well, the first uh, the, the car got a clutch for the first time and it was a horrible job. And I ended up with a really muscular thigh, if you can imagine that. When you look at these, <laughs> I kid you not, I had to stand like this, so you, anyway, um, and, and, and because it was so heavy, it was so heavy to change gears in, so this car, it had, a, it had some cool point, points, but it certainly had some faults, and one of the, um, <coughs> excuse me, one of the faults were, were another one of the faults, I should say, uh, was that the paint had started to crack, and it had started just kind of, you know, just going all stiply, and it just looked awful. And I just had this big idea that I would repaint my Subaru Leone because it had life yet, and I loved that car. It was an awesome car, and I was like, I'm going to repaint this car. And I thought, well, all, I'm going to go to the to straighten paint. I'm going to do a bit of a deal there. I'm going to say, because I had a sign writing business at the time, I'm going like, to brand your business for a year if you repaint my car. And he was pretty clever because he said, that's cool. I'll repaint the car if you take the paint off. And he handed me like a big bucket of acid. And I was like, that sounds easy. I just kind of like glug, 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 glug. Uh, the acid over the car and the paint will fall off and it'll be sweet. Well, as soon as I started painting, uh, stripping the, the paint off the car, I, I found out that the paint that looked like it wanted to come off actually really didn't want to come off. It was, it was holding on real tight. And so I just got stuck in. And after about five days of intense Labor, I'd actually just peel off every part of that car, and that car was naked. I just wanted to say that word in church. <laughs> it had nothing left on it. And, and the thing about that paint stripper, that acid, is that it had a certain odor. It, in fact, it had a, a really intense smell. It smelt so bad. We had a double garage internal at, at, at that time. It smelt so bad that the smell over this week of this acid went right through out of the house. It went through into every room. It went into the kitchen. It went into, the, into our clothes. It went absolutely into everything. And if, if you put a, a cup of water out on the bench, after 10 minutes of it sitting there and you took a sip, it would taste like toxic waste. That's how intense this acidic smell, that something pure became, uh, you know, under the influence of, of something toxic. And the only way that we could, you know, cleanse our home was to open up every door, window, garage door, you know, the roof, everything, and let, like, just pray for a Norwester, just to go, you know, as they do, because, like, a Norwester is not ever, like... <laughs> <laughs> we're like, set in the wind. And so we did that. And over a couple of weeks, you know, the smell left our house. And I just believe today that God actually wants to bring some detoxing of some atmospheres uh, here today. And I, I, have, I, I wanted to go somewhere with this word, but I felt like God really wanted me to go somewhere else. So I'm just here just to mess with your head a little bit and hopefully your heart today because God just wants to freshen your life. 
He wants you to be free, and He wants you to have a heart that is totally set apart for Him, totally free, totally just daring to dream the great stuff that He has ahead for you. It says this in Proverbs 4, 23, above everything else, guard your heart, because from it flow the springs of life. How is the condition of your heart? How's the atmosphere of your heart this morning? Another version says that guard your heart because out of it flow the issues of life. And if you've got issues in your life, if you've got things going on in your life that are right in front of you, you know, it's probably because something's going on in your heart. It's probably because God wants to do something radical in your heart. It's probably because He wants to heal your heart today. Does it feel like you would just like crave a fresh breath of life in your heart? You know, when, when God created Adam and Eve, the way He kick-started their life was with a breath from heaven. And He took something that was created from the dust, the dirt, and He breathed and it became living. And today, he just wants to breathe on anything that's dead. He wants to breathe on anything that you're just like. Every place in your heart, he wants to breathe on you because our heart is the center point of our well-being. It's the dream center, this place where we live our life from. And I know we can think rationally through things in life and create steps, but I want to tell you that, that God actually wants to guide your life through your heart. And this message could be here just, just for one person today. It could be just for one person today, but I so sense that God actually just wants to unlock us. He wants to just say, he's, got, he's so good. <laughs> he wants you to be so free. He wants you to be so fearless when it comes to thinking about your Monday. He wants, to, he wants you to live a life where you live in expectation constantly of your Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, not in expectation of your Friday. He, he, just, he is calling you into the game. He's calling you into the game of dreams, vision, hope, joy, just the good stuff of His kingdom. I love that it says in Thessalonians that the, the, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Like, come on. Like, this, this is the land of the living people. This is the land of the party. Like, come and join His party today. It says in 1 Peter 1, and 23, Love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible through the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. And so today, specifically, I want to talk about protecting the seed of promise in your life. Because His seed, His presence is the one, it's the way to bring life. It's the way to bring freedom. It's the, it's the pathway to the breath of heaven. He is the way maker. We sung that. Isn't it an awesome song to declare today. And just during that worship, actually, I just felt like that God wanted to deconstruct something for someone here today, maybe a couple of people. And you've viewed life and the will of God just like a playground. You've viewed it and it's been said to you in the past where it's been just like, okay, the will of God for your life is like a playground and you can just go and play on the swings and you can just go play on the slide and you can play on the, on the you know, that's, you know, you've got choices, you've got a free will and that's all good with you and you can just do what you want. But the problem is, is that you've come to a place in your life where you feel like you have no purpose and you've, you're sick of choosing. And I want to tell you that at times, life is like a playground, but at times, the will of God is like a narrow path to your life. 
There's times where he says, I'm a gate, I'm a narrow gate, I'm a narrow path. And I believe that there's someone in this place today that you just need to actually go, okay, where is the exit from this season? And you need to determine in your heart, I'm going to pursue the will and purposes of God for my life. I'm sick of just playing around because I was born with a purpose. And so I just want to just, just put that out there today, that God's potential and promises for your life have never been lost. They've never been lost, and that, that still, I'm still talking to that person. They have never been lost for your life, but if the atmosphere of our hearts, if it you know, the atmosphere of the secret place, if, if it remains compromised, you know, with our perspectives on this life, God's seed, the seed of His Word, the seed of His promises will never actually be able to put its roots down and grow magnificent through you and grow mighty in you. And I mean, the Bible, you know, you look at the heroes of the Bible and you think, oh, these guys are just amazing. You know, like David slayed Goliath, Noah built an ark, you know, like just incredible. Saul in the New Testament went to cities and saw churches established. And, you, and we forget that each one of these guys had issues. They all had a history and they all had a, a past. And, and you read Psalms and David's Psalms are so, you know, crying out, pouring out his heart, pouring out the hard place. Like he's at a wall, he's hiding in a cave and he's saying, God, protect me. You're like a strong, t-. you know, he's just, he's, he's, these lives in the Bible, these people had issues like you and I have issues. There's a guy called Gideon in, in the book of Judges. It's an awesome book if you want to read something like radical, read the book of Judges. Uh, there's this guy called Gideon, and, and he appears in the story of, of, of the Bible in, in, Jud- in Judges chapter 6. And, and he had this aroma of disappointment around his life. If you read his whole story, you'll see that he has a happy ending. You'll see that he does something mighty for God. You'll see that it was a promise fulfilled. But you'll also see at the start of this story that it was like he was an adult, that he was doing adult life and he had adult tasks and he was doing something that he wasn't called to do. And, 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 and the angel, an angel encounters him here in Judges 6 verse 11, and it says, The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abizite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. So he's, he's doing the wrong thing. He's in a wine cellar place, and he's threshing wheat. He is hiding out, he's oppressed, and he's, he's doing what he needs to do to make his lunch. And then an angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Come on. <laughs> Somebody needs to hear that here today. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this stuff happened to us? Where are his, all his wonders that are... Ancestors told us about when they said, Do not, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? You know, but now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of the Midian. So Gideon's carrying this faulty perspective of himself and his position in life. He's sitting in a place where he doesn't belong, and the Lord calls him out. He says, come out of that place that you don't belong. And he's like, but where are the, you know, where are the wonders? Where, why, why isn't it like the glory 
days, you know, were the, the promises of God real for my life? You know, what's corrupted them? And, and there's this aroma of disappointment and despondency around his position and station in life. And, the, and then the, the angel says, the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength that you have and save Israel out of the Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? And there's this powerful commissioning while he's in the wrong place. And you could be here today <laughs> in the wrong place. And I want to tell you that the Lord wants to powerfully commission you. He wants to speak into your life and just say, I'm with you, mighty warrior. I'm with you. You have a call and a station and a purpose in your life. And then I love Gideon's response. And it's going to seem like, why do you love this? Let, just bear with, all right? Just bear with. It says that Gideon went inside, prepared a young goat, and from an, e, an ephah, thank you, of flour, he made bread without yeast, putting the meat in a basket and its broth in a pot. He brought them out and offered them to him under the oak. See, Gideon wasn't, you know, just a prophetic, mighty warrior in this moment. He was also a baker. <laughs> he also had to do the stuff to get by in life. But every baker knows that to make flour for bread, seed has to be crushed. The grain has to go through the mill. And I can imagine that Gideon, as he's handling that, that flour, he's seen it in the seed form, and he's seen it in the powder form, in the flour form. And I can imagine that he could relate to that flour. He's like, yes, my life feels like it's been run through the mill. That it's been crushed in part, yet he takes what has been crushed and he, and he offers what has been crushed as bread on an offering. And that seed of God's promises of freedom for his family and his people and all that, I, I, I can always imagine him just putting this into that bread and just laying it up as an offering at that moment. And and wondering, God, will you accept my offering? I want to introduce you to two amazing people, uh, Greg and Kelly. They are just really nice. They look nice, don't they? They are nice. They're lovely people. Now, um, Greg has been our business accountant, actually, for a number of years, and he is also our um, Thrive Church accountant. So give Greg a hand. He's, he's doing awesome. I'll pass you love on. But, you know, if I was to rewind, uh, you know, 15 years ago in Greg's story, Greg and Kelly's story, that, you know, they had a real heart for missions and still have a massive heart for missions. And they had this vision to establish a work, to establish a church amongst the Shulamite people in a large nation in Central Asia. And and, and this nation has actually currently experienced horrific persecution. And so I can't actually tell you what that nation is. And the code word for this people group is Shulamite. There are actually people in the Bible that were, um, you know, pressed. And there's a story around that as well. But that became the code word for this nation. And so when we were, when we were talking about this, you know, 12 years ago, we actually said, look, we're just going to be calling these people the Shulamite 
people because of the intense persecution that they've been under. And so these, this couple, they prepared to go to this nation to invest their lives into this nation and into these people believing that God had a great work and wanted to establish something great. I mean, they were going to something insignificant. Like they were, I mean, it was going to be significant, but they weren't just trying to, you know, do something where everyone would see them doing something great. They, they had surrendered their lives and they were like, oh, you know, like missionaries used to just basically pack their, their belongings into a coffin and that was their, you know, that was their luggage and they'd go to another nation knowing that they were going to die there. I mean, that's radical obedience. That's a surrendered life. That's what it looks like. So these guys here are going something to do something sacrificial here and they they started this work and they spent four years um, there and, and and started making connections but very sadly they lost twin uh, babies and and uh, and, and it so you know just hurt their hearts they came home completely emotionally uh, exhausted unsure if that made a, a lasting difference and because I'd spent like the first couple of years there just learning the language acquiring the culture and they was they were in universities they were you know in their early to mid 20s at this time you know like in that place building bridges and and they had they Greg said that they had three guys in particular who were asking questions and and searching about spirituality and it was just so sad that they just had to leave them and and come home and then back in New Zealand, he said that they were called to just focus on the business, and, 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 but they continue to carry the, in their heart this dream that they'll be able to go back and invest into this nation uh, again. And, and so then last year, they had been preparing that the end of last year would be a time where they would go back again and actually continue this work, but the door was shut for them. It was completely shut tight. And because in the nation uh, where they were going, all foreigners had been asked to leave and there were no visas being granted. And so they had this time of just feeling incredibly disappointed and they just couldn't understand. You know, they'd spent years again prepping to go last year and it just seemed like a complete waste for them. And so they were feeling despondent at this and then it wasn't until three months ago when a guy from Dunedin was referred to him from the Shulamite people. And initially, Greg thought, you know, how, you know, how could I connect with this guy? I'm in Christ, he's in Dunedin, and maybe I should refer him to someone else, and, and they can connect uh, there. But Kelly, his wife, said, hey, no, you know, you should listen to your wife. And she's like, this could be the harvest that God has planned for us. So Greg contacted him, and he could tell straight away that he was searching, and that he wanted to know how to follow Jesus Christ. <laughs> this guy had already been reading the Bible, and but while he was reading the Bible, he was physically tormented by an evil spirit choking his throat and trying to strangle him. So he stopped reading the Bible because he thought, maybe this is a sign that the Bible is wrong. I shouldn't be reading the Bible. Then he had a dream one night, and Jesus Jesus appeared to this guy in a dream. This is an Islamic man. And so he appeared to him in a dream and told him that the Bible was the Word of God and should be elevated above every other book. Come on. So he read the Bible again. He experienced being strangled again. And 
he called out on the name of Jesus and then immediately the demon left. He received immediate freedom. During that conversation, Greg discovered that this guy had a Shulamite friend in Auckland who was searching and, inter, uh, and inter Jesus, interested in Jesus too. And, there, and there's another story there that's very similar to this story, but he led him to the Lord too. Three weeks ago, Greg, they all met up in Manukau area. He baptized both of them. They were radically filled with the Holy Spirit. And the work of the Shulamite people <laughs> is established and continued. And that is almost 10 years to the day of his twins dying. Almost 10 years to the day, because there's no kingdom seed that is ever wasted. There is no encouragement, no gift, no offering, no hope, no dream that is ever wasted in your life. And if you were to look back and you feel like you've got loose ends, I just want to remind you that God's got a, he's got a fulfillment to your promise. He's got a fulfillment to your call. And so it's so exciting for us. You know, all those years ago as a church, we partnered with them, sending them. We financially contributed them to go and make a radical difference in the world. And so this is our celebration too. So give yourselves a hand, even if you weren't here. Like, you know, it's, it's so cool. And so it's going to be amazing to just continue to send those seeds out next week when we do this big give offering. And, and, and they're going to go into some places where you'll never go but yet you will be going. <laughs> so good. God's promises are never corrupted just because we haven't seen them yet. And none of God's promises in our lives have an expiry date. They have a fulfillment date. They have a fulfillment date. You know, I was imagining if it was my life and I'd returned home from being a missionary in a foreign country, lost, seen very little fruit, lost babies, lost children, I would have come home with so much unresolved disappointment, thinking, you know, what was going on? You know, the condition of my heart would have been under threat at that time from this atmosphere of disappointment. It would have been under threat because, you know, I know if from my own life and from working with others, you know, if disappointment remains unresolved in our lives, it becomes toxic to the condition of our heart. And, and, and like, I, I understand why we get disappointed. And I get that. I've had times of disappointment and because disappointment will come knocking at the door of our heart and it'll be like, can I come in? You know, I, I deserve to be here and, and I want to come into the room of relationships. You know, let's just say it's in, in round relationships. I'm just going to sit in this room because it's my right to be here. That hurt, that really hurt you. And, and you, you deserve to have me living in your heart. And so we say, you know, come on and, you know, you're welcome to sit in this room. But the problem is, is that when we allow offense to come into the rooms of our heart, offense doesn't just stay in one location. It becomes an aroma that actually goes right throughout our heart. And that stream of living water, that stream of life that is designed to flow through our heart, it will run dry. It will run dry. And that's why Jesus said this radical thing, you know, I can't forgive you unless you forgive others. Because he's like, I, I, 
I need you to let that go. I need you to disconnect that offense from the room of your heart so that I can come in to the fullness of your heart and bring the freshness of my love. Pollution has a habit of affecting everything in our lives. And we can, you know, get the air freshener out and try and, you know, hide the smell. We can put the mask on and be the happy Christian on a Sunday. You know, we can do everything. We can play the religious game. But God is only after your heart. He's, he cares about your heart. He wants to heal our hearts. He wants, an, he wants to get in and he wants to deal perhaps with some disappointment in people's lives here today. And maybe you're just disappointed at yourself. You know, maybe you're just really annoyed at yourself at this time. Whatever it is, He wants to set you free. And if you've got offense, when offense comes at us, we've only got two choices in the way we respond. We can either choose to get better or we can choose to get bitter. To get better or to get bitter. And I know we want you to get better. And I'm not thinking about anyone here. I'm not preaching this because I know stuff, all right? I'm just preaching this because I just know this is the Word of God. And He is all about freedom. The Spirit of the Lord is freedom. And He wants you to live with freedom in your life. So let's get back to Gideon. And it says that the angel of God said to him, Take the meat and this unleavened bread. Place them on, a, on this rock and pour out the broth, and Gideon did so. So Gideon is making this sacrifice here to the Lord. And it says, Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread with the tip of his staff that was in his hand. Fire flared from the rock. There was a supernatural consuming, yeah, happening. And so it consumed the meat of the bread, and the angel of the Lord disappeared. Come on. I love this. See, Gideon took the bread and he placed it on a rock and the fire came from the rock. Is that a picture of Jesus Christ? Is that a picture of when we take our brokenness and like what Gideon did is he, he took this bread that was made in a place of brokenness, that was created in a place of despondency, that was, he was in a different season, he was in a season of despair, and he took what had happened in his season of despair and he put it on the rock of Christ and fire came out and consumed the sacrifice. Consumed the sacrifice, and I just want to ask you today, are you, are you getting prepared to give something to Jesus today? Are you getting prepared to lay something on the rock today? To say, to, to, to let an offense go, to let something of, that is hurting in your heart, to let a loose end go, to, to just give up what happened in a season of disappointment. You know, some plant species, uh, uh, they actually require fire for their seeds to sprout. And these, these seeds can remain dormant in the ground for decades until a wildfire comes through and ignites them. And they, they require the chemical signals of smoke and heat before they'll actually, the, the, the site, that dormancy would be broken. And germination could happen. And and sometimes, I want to tell you, we need the fire of God to burn some stuff off before new growth and new life is going to happen. And, and perhaps, just perhaps, 
He wants to burn on you today. He doesn't want to just take something away from you. He wants to remove something so that something more can be given to you. And if we were to fast forward to the end of the story, Gideon's small army of 300, they rout the Midianites. They, they defeat them as the Lord was with him because he was a mighty warrior. And, and I love this. Before they went into that place, Gideon was like, I need to get a word about what has been spoken. How is this army feeling about this moment? And it says this in Judges 7, 13. Gideon arrived at the Midianite camp just as a man was telling a friend about his dream. This is a bizarre dream, right? He's like, I had a dream. A round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such force that the tent overturned and collapsed. His friend responded, this can be nothing other than the sword of the son of Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. And I just, this is radical because I don't think there was any of those Midianites watching Gideon put a loaf of bread on an altar to the Lord. They didn't see that that happened. Yet God used that sacrifice that Gideon gave as a catalyst to rout the enemy, as a catalyst for the breakthrough that was to come. And I want to propose to you that your breakthrough is in the sacrifice that you make. That your breakthrough for your friendships, for your dreams, for your vision, for whatever is opposing you, for your, maybe it's just a lack of confidence, for your emotional health, whatever it is, I want to tell you as you surrender that up to Jesus Christ, as you lay that on the rock, He's going to consume the, the brokenness and He is only going to give you something good back in return. Would you just, let's just stand together today. Thanks again for tuning in to the Thrive Church weekly podcast. Stay up to date with everything that is happening by following us on social media 